But we don't understand that God values us. God loves us. God doesn't give us and tell us things just to show off or just to prove, just to be a dictator on our life. Instead, they were created to actually help you and save you from a world of pain and suffering. So we're going to start in 1 John. So if you can turn to 1 John, and I'll explain kind of our series here and what we're, what we're after. And I think that most of the teens got your little, the teens have a handout, so they have an advantage over you. But we're going through a series with the teens called the, well, it's simply Secrets to Success, to being a successful teenager. And we've looked at several different topics and basically understanding certain topics about our world in the Bible will help us be successful. And uh, we've looked at topics like salvation, like hell, uh, Jesus, what he's done for us on the cross. We've looked at some, even some, uh, some things that are going on in our world today. And today's topic is not really a specific theme per se, but it's more of an idea. And it's this concept here that you are worth a fortune. And it shouldn't be a secret, but humans, we, especially as God's people, we are, we are worth something to the Lord. But we're not worth much to the world, to Satan. To Satan, we're not worth anything. And there is a, a myriad, there is a, a lot of different uh, people groups and organizations out there that don't care anything about us except maybe our money. And it's important for us as teens, as adults, and the older you get, the more you, under, you'll, especially adults, will know and see this firsthand. But oftentimes when we're younger, we don't really see the inside, some of these organizations and things. We see the outside, and the outside looks nice sometimes, but what goes on on the inside often is, uh, is much deeper and much more sinful. And nothing I'm going to say today is of any shock or surprise to anybody. It's just the informational, and it's just a challenge for us as we consider today, uh, as we remind ourselves that we are indeed worth a fortune. Now, 1 John chapter 4, and uh, we're going to read verse 9. 1 John 4 and verse 9. The Bible says, In this was manifested the love of God toward us because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. If we could open in a word of prayer as we get started this evening. Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word and so thankful for the fact that you love us. You care for us. We are worth something to you. You don't. You're not. You didn't create us just for our for what you can get out of us, Lord. You, there, there's a love relationship, a father and a, and his children, and the more we understand that, the greater of an influence and the better of a person we can be, even in this world and in our society. Lord, help us to draw closer to you, to be the better, to be the best Christians we can be, and to learn to avoid the mistakes that's out there in our world today. So, Lord, use us now, we pray in your name. Amen. 
we're going to be looking at just a, a several different, uh, well, it's organizations or things that don't really care about humanity and, and as a whole, I should say. And the first simple, I guess, thing uh, that we're going to look at today is, for me, it's point number one for the teens. They already have it down, but it's drugs and smoking. Drugs and smoking. Is that good or bad? What do you think? It's bad, right? We know it's bad, okay? So like I said, not going to learn anything new here today. But it needs to be spoken on. It still needs to be preached about because drugs, smoking, it's on the rise. It doesn't ever seem to be decreasing. It seems to be every year going up and up and up. And sometimes we take it for granted. Yes, you shouldn't do it, but then it's still on the rise. So either we think we shouldn't do it, but we still do it anyway. Whatever the reasoning is, the illegal, especially the illegal drug trade or drug trafficking is a global black market dedicated to the cultivation and manufacture a distribution and sale of prohibited drugs. Now, all drugs and smoking are illegal, but there is a huge profit in this. Most jurisdictions prohibit trade except under license of many types of drugs through the use of drug prohibition laws. The think tank Global Financial Integration Transnational Crime and Development World Reports. That's a, that's a long word. Should I say that again? The Global Financial uh, Integrity Transnation, Transnational Crime and Development World. Anyway, they report and estimate the size of the global illicit drug market. Now, this is uh, in U.S. dollars. For it's, uh, the drug market income annually is somewhere between 426 to 652 billion dollars a year and this was reported back in 2014. I imagine it's a bit different today. Now that is uh, with a the the world's gross domestic product so our the world gross uh, I guess income you could say per year is estimated to be around 78 trillion dollars which means the illegal drug trade may be estimated to close to 2% of the entire world's uh, income, money, however you want to term it. It's, it's not good. It's not good. Cocaine is a highly prominent drug among many drug dealers and manufacturers. The cocaine black market distribution industry is worth over $85 billion. And this is all illegal, but it has been heavily fought over, massively produced, Around 1.1 million kilograms of cocaine were made just in 2009, and it's believed to have been consumed by over 17 million people per year. 17 million people. Now, if you've ever taken parts of drugs, either ingesting it in your body or not, you are literally helping the cause. You are, you are ingesting, uh, in many cases, it's a form of poison in your system, at the benefit and the expense of other people who are sitting in their mansion somewhere, enjoying themselves with all the wealth they have while they feed us poison and we take it in. Now, it's addictive poison. Many of these are. They're not good. There's a story of two brothers. One brother died of an overdose, so the dealer had to find another 
to replace his cash flow, he eventually gets the brother who had passed away, he gets his younger kid brother to take his place. He gets him hooked on the drug that he was selling. Eventually that kid would, uh, down the road, eventually himself pass away from an overdose. The dealer didn't care about the kids. It was just a business transaction to him. And that's really the fact. The dealer's supplier would treat him the same way. You have the dealer. He doesn't care what happens to these people as long as he gets his money. And in reality, the dealer is treated the same way by the supplier. The supplier doesn't care what happens to his dealers. If one dealer falls away or gets caught, I just find another one. You know, it's just, it's just business. There's no relationships or people involved. The harm that's doing to people's lives, it's just about the money. And I could give you story after story, and there's really no point. We understand the concept, and I'm not sit- telling anybody anything new here this evening. Eventually, you can keep going up the rankings, you know, from dealer to, I don't know, the rankings, how it goes. But you go all the way up to the top, the people who are up there, you know, they're the ones in those mansions with huge gates guarded by tons and tons of people to protect them from the, the illegal activity that they're doing. And you know what? They think they're at the top, but in reality, there's somebody even above them, and that's the devil who's controlling it all. And everyone's being used in this system. Many teachers in classrooms today, and this isn't new, this has been going on for years, but they use this non-directive educational approach. And you're probably familiar. And it's, it's this approach where rather than telling you things are right or wrong, they tell you both sides and let you decide for yourself in hopes that you make the right decision. So you see... Their mindset behind this, and I could kind of see how they hope that allowing the child to make the right decision on their own would help them continue down that path in the future. But the opposite is happening in many of these classroom situations. They tell you this and they tell you this. They don't say which one's right or wrong. They just tell you what happens if you do this or do that. And it's actually... There have been so many studies done in these educational systems where these non-directive approaches are actually making things worse. Kids kids who before had no idea what this was. You can take drugs, for example. This is this drug, and if you take this, this is what it does. Oh, I didn't know that. You know, but if you don't do it, you know, and they give you some breakdowns, and sometimes they'll tell you what it could do to your body, but they try not to put too heavy which side's right and which side's wrong, they want you to be able to study it for yourself and do it. And what a lot of kids are doing is they're getting exposed to things they didn't know existed before, and instead of studying it, they're just trying it out. They're being their own test subjects, and it's not turning out well. There have been so much studying done on this non-directive education, and several professors are trying to stop this, this style of education. Because even these are non-Christian professors who are saying over and over again that kids still need to be taught what is right and what is wrong. The problem is, from an evolutionary mindset, what is right and what is wrong? Truth is relative today. And it's a twisted society that we're living in. But it's, it's important for us to understand that the drug industry 
has a huge, played a huge role in this non-directive educational uh, point of view. We're not going to get into the details because that's not what we're here for today. But it's important that we as parents especially, excuse me, we, we oversee our children and we tell them what is right and what is wrong. There is scientific data to prove that certain things you ingest in your body will have lasting repercussions. They will harm your body. There's a reason why they're elite. some of these drugs are illegal. In 2019, the largest tobacco companies spent $8.2 billion in marketing cigarettes and smokeless tobacco in the United States. $8.2 billion just in advertisements. This, this amount translates to about $22.5 million each day or nearly $1 million every hour is spent trying to get more young people, more people, to smoke cigarettes. And sadly, cigarette advertising and promotional expenses, uh, they have, have slightly decreased, but apparently in the last year or so, they've started to go back up. And in 2019 alone, nearly 1,300 teens uh, admitted to to trying and on a regular basis using cigarettes. So you have these companies that are pouring billions of dollars to try to get young people, and they've been targeting children, but not children, they've been targeting the younger generation for years. And in America, at least, back in 2009, the Tobacco Control Act put a, tried to put a stop to the tobacco industry and marketing for in marketing to kids, and it went, through, it went to court. It was this big deal. You've probably heard about it, the Tobacco Control Act. And in 2009, the FDA was allowed to take control over the tobacco marketing industry. Things like you're not allowed to target children, you're not allowed to target kids. The tobacco industry didn't care about what it did to their bodies. All, in, all they were trying to do is get kids hooked at a, get, get kids hooked young, so that's. Uh, when they're older, that's more money for them. And I say kids, they weren't necessarily targeting like little children, but uh, high schoolers is who they were starting to target and young adults. Fortunately, the FDA, and they, they have their own issues, but they are doing their best to control the marketing to, to, the, to teenagers. But every year, teenagers smoking, and of course, the newest big thing now is vaping, or e-cigarettes, they call it. And uh, over the last couple of years, there have been some intense study on e-cigarettes, on vaping. And there's one side saying, oh, it's not as bad as cigarettes. Not as bad, which means it's still, it's still bad. The lasting effects it has won't be as bad as, as cigarettes. Some people use it to wean themselves off. And I suppose if you're trying to use it to eventually stop, maybe you could justify yourself. But I'm not going to go into all the details of these things. I hope you've uh, done your studying on them. But e-cigarettes are becoming real famous. They, um, especially they're famous in how they're packaged. They can look like USB sticks. They can look like, uh, I don't know, pencils. They can look like things. I don't know if they do that to, so they can hide it from their parents or if it's just uh, something cool. But uh, So parents, if you see your kids having some weird-looking contraptions, maybe just double-check. Is that actually a USB stick? What is that? And 
it's important that we make sure that we do our part, especially as parents, teach our children, yes, there is a right and there is a wrong. So-and-so may say, oh, it's not as bad, or you could read this, and no, it, it doesn't really have those big effects. They're exaggerating, but it's important that we sit down, we explain the right from the wrong. You see, the, the alcohol, the, the drugs, the smoking industries out there, they make billions and billions of dollars at our expense, at the expense of us, and the effects that it has on us is absolutely astounding. We need to be very careful because that industry doesn't care about our worth except the money that we have. Another industry that is out there today is um, music. The music industry is, well, who doesn't listen to music? Who doesn't just sit down when they're trying to concentrate and listen to music? In our home, I, we like to go on uh, YouTube and you find a nice, calm, classical music with fire roasting in the backgrounds or sitting in a coffee cafe and there's a coffee ambience, but you've got, you know, it's just, it's, it's just something in the background. The music industry is huge, but not as big as pop music, rock music, and rap music. That music is ever so much on the rise. And according to several sources, popular, the most popular themes among pop music, rock, and especially rap music consists of these things here. Heartbreak, partying, drinking, drugs, sex, and rebellion. That would be the majority. There are some that you can try to justify and say, oh, the words aren't that bad. And I say rebellion, but uh, they wouldn't classify it as rebellion. They classify it this way, uh, doing what I want to do or doing things my way, which is rebellion <laughs> in a lot of cases, not always. The average teen will spend between 1.5 to 3 hours a day just listening to music. Sometimes it's less, sometimes it's even more. Sometimes it's just to pass the time. Others, it's to help with their mood. They're feeling depressed. They're feeling anxious. Or maybe they need some, some kind of energetic music to uh, pump them up, to keep them going. I have a question for you parents. Do you know what music your kids are listening to? You probably would say, I do. Of course I do. But do you actually? I could speak from my own personal experience as a teenager. I grew up in a Christian home with parents. Uh, who were anti everything bad music. And for the most part, I was against most of it too, but music is passed between friends so easily. It's so easy to, hey, could I have that? Can I, can I have that song? Sure. And instead of that, those songs, they'll give me a bunch of songs. Oh, I didn't ask for those songs. And, but I start listening to them. Oh, I mean, you know, it's not that bad. It's got, a, you know, it, it's, it's got some energy to it. It's, uh, it's nice. And before you know it, I started to build this, this library of music. My parents had no idea. And I wasn't even trying to hide it for them because my parents never asked me. They just assumed I was doing the right thing. But I started to get a lot of music, a lot of music that uh, would certainly not have fit the bill in our, our home. Do you know what kind of music your kids listen to? Maybe you, maybe you yourself don't have convictions on 
the right kind of music. So maybe that's a topic for you to study or for us to go to more in depth later on. Uh, many kids, uh, I speak from personal experience, we have secondary devices. You know, we have the device that my parents bought me for Christmas, and then I get a hold of another device that has music on it that my parents didn't know about. And um, I'm not trying to rat on teens or anything. I know we have perfect teens here in our youth group, but I'm just saying it's important that um, we do our best to not hide, but rather be real in the sight of God, to be open with the Lord. Lord, I have this music. Should I be listening to this? It's important. Rock music, pop music. I talk about music a lot in the youth group, so we'll move on. Uh, alcohol. Uh, the alcohol industry. I don't need to sit on this very long. The World Health Organization. Worldwide, from alcohol alone, 3 million deaths every year result from harmful use of alcohol. This represents 5.3% of all deaths annually. The harmful use of alcohol is a casual factor in more than 200 disease and injury conditions worldwide. Over 5.1% of all global burden of disease and injury is attributed to alcohol. Alcohol consumption causes death and disability relatively early in life. The earlier you start it, the more lasting effects it has on you later on in life. In the age groups between 20 and 40 years, approximately 13.5% of total deaths are attributed to that age group, between 20 and 40. There is a casual relationship between harmful use of alcohol and a range of mental and behavioral disorders. And I can tell you stories of what alcohol does. I don't need to. You've heard more than I have, I'm sure. But the global alcohol beverages market was valued at, uh, uh, let's see here, it was valued at over $1.4 billion, uh, sorry, $14 billion in uh, 2014 and expected to reach uh, 16, by, 16 billion by 2025. Uh, we'll keep moving on here. These are industry, these are things that have no desire. They don't see any worth in your life except what they can get from you. I remember learning stories from famous evangelist Billy Sunday. He used to preach a famous message called booze. That's what he would preach. And he would go into towns and he would preach against alcohol. And he would preach on it sometimes several days in a row. And he would just tell you the ins and outs and how bad it was. And oftentimes, by the time Billy Sunday would leave and go to the next city, saloons were closing down because they began to realize what it's doing. He would tell these stories in his sermon on men, you know, just coming to the saloon just to kind of try to forget about all the, the stress of life. And he'd drink a little too much, and then he'd take it home, and he'd take it out on his wife and his kids, and he would repeat this process. And it was a common thing. Uh, you know, especially during those times, men getting drunk and, and doing and being, being, not being the person that they normally are. And he kept making the statement, what good comes from alcohol? What good comes from the saloon? Tell me one thing, that, one thing good that comes from it. And he would say these questions and make these arguments and saloons were shutting down. And guess who wasn't happy about that? 
guess who put up a fight about that? Well, the, the producers of, of alcohol, the, the whiskey makers. Said, oh, I, don't, I don't know the terminology. I'm glad, I'm glad I don't know the terminology, I guess. But the people that would produce it, that would make it, they were in a fit. They were in a rage, and they were trying to run Billy Sunday out of town. They didn't want him because people were realizing he was right. Alcohol was just destroying towns. It was destroying relationships and marriages, and people were starting to realize it. So they said, what good is this? Let's get rid of it. But you see, the owners, they didn't care if it was destroying lives. They just wanted the money. Abortion is another thing, and I won't sit on this too long, but the nation's largest abortion providers topped $1 billion in assets in 2009 and 2010. And, uh, and, and now in 2020, it's over $1.5 billion in, in, uh, is the money that is made from, this, from, from abortions alone. In Canada alone, there have been reported over 83,000 abortions in 2019. It's a very lucrative um, place to be in. There are uh, Republican lawmakers in, in America constantly trying to defund the organi- organization called Planned Parenthood. They're the ones that basically run and organize the majority of the abortion clinics in America. And there's, uh, you know, pro-life marches all the time trying to defund this program. But uh, each year they make more and more money and they aren't about to stop. False religions. False religions. I did not know this. But of, of the cults out there today, which cult do you think is worth the most annually? Which false religion cult is worth, worth the most annually? What do you think? Just take a guess. What do we have? Latter-day Saints. So Mormons. Anybody else? Jehovah Witness, it's a good guess. Anybody else want to guess? What is it? Islam. I actually didn't look up Islam, but uh, on, on the, the, um, the list that I was looking up, organizations and their annual income, Muslims didn't come up. But I'm curious to actually look into that because they have one of the largest uh, people groups. But it's actually... Uh, Latter-day Saints, it's the Mormons. Annually, it is estimated that they are worth $100 billion in assets. And there are people that think they're worth twice as much. There's whistleblowers trying to get to the bottom of things. Um, They actually top even, uh, I say I have a list here, the Catholic Church in Germany is worth over $26 billion. So they top them. Uh, The Catholic Church in Australia, surprisingly, is over $20 billion. Seventh-day Adventists, about $15 billion. This is just what they're, they're worth with their assets. Church of England, over $9 billion. Scientology, over $2 billion. Uh, Jehovah Witnesses are around the $2 billion mark as well. But there's also heavy, uh, sp- there's actually a lot of, um, I guess, investigations going on now. With uh, There's been some whistleblowing lately as well. Because Jehovah Witnesses are classified as a nonprofit, so they don't have to do taxes or anything either. And um, there's a lot of stuff going on there. Who cares? Who cares? These people make lots and lots of money. And it's important that, especially a lot of these cults now, some, some of these people in there truly do think that they're doing the right thing. 
So I'm not trying to say they're all in it for the money, but the leaders of these organizations generally know what they're doing. They know what's at stake, and we need to be very careful. And uh, we'll end with this industry here, the, uh, and just very briefly, the, the sex industry as well is worth globally around $186 billion. And this is from, in some countries, actual prostitution to you know, uh, pornographic websites, and not gonna go into details there, but this is a very, very scary one to get involved in, and something we should be very, very, uh, say, uh, uh, be careful with. Pastor Tim, you know, what's the, what's the point of all this? And I, I could go on and on of industries, but here's the thing. Outside of Jesus Christ, outside of the, the realm and the life of Christ here on earth, you have a constant war with the devil versus the Lord. And it's this battle. It's the world versus the flesh versus the spirits. And outside of God and the things of God, there are industries and people out there that don't care about you. Teenagers, they don't care anything about you. They will throw every commercial they can. They'll get you hooked and locked in to try to make it look like things are fun. You watch the commercials. I've told you this story many times. My dad and I, we, we grew up, we loved watching baseball. That was our thing. And we watched baseball. But with, with sports always comes the commercials. And with certain commercials always comes the alcoholic commercials. And you watch those commercials. They're always... Young men, young women, laughing, having a good time. They always pick the, you know, the, the best-looking men and the best-looking women, or at least who they think that is. And they're always in the prime conditioning and the prime lighting, and it's just the, the perfect situation, and they're having the best time possible. And then they slip in their, their alcoholic beverage. And man, you know, from the outside, you're like, who wouldn't, who wouldn't want that? My dad would always say after every commercial, he would always say, and they don't tell you what happens the day after. And as a four-year-old and five-year-old, don't understand. But he kept saying that over and over again. And I got, you know, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, and eventually it clicked, you know. I started to hear stories. I had family members who were heavy into alcohol. And I began to experience it. And my dad would say, they know how to get you hooked because they don't care what happens to you afterwards. As long as you purchase, as long as you buy what they have, and they'll throw every lie at you they can, look at this great time they're having. And sometimes that is this case. They do have a good time for a very short time, and then reality hits them. You know what's interesting is all these things I've listed, they have one thing in common. Sin. Everything I listed has something to do with disobedience to God. The illegal drug trade, the uh, uh, even smoking and these things. Yes, I know the word itself isn't mentioned in the Bible, but all these things have something in common, and it's it's sin. God knows what is good for us. The Bible does not. Uh, the Bible is a very black and white book, if I could say it that way. The Bible is not a non-directive educational book. The Bible 
doesn't say, ah, you know, here's, here's A and B, choose which path you want. No, the Bible says, here's A, if you do that, you'll be destroyed. So I suggest you take route B. And that's not something that we in society like today. No, we want to have options. We want to be able to, well, what do I want to do? Which direction do I want to go? I want to explore life for myself and get to my destination my own way. That's what the world tells us. But we don't understand that God values us. God loves us. God doesn't give us and tell us things just to show off or just to prove, just to be a dictator on our life. Instead, they were created to actually help you and save you from a world of pain and suffering. God values you so much that he sent himself to die for you. We read just a minute, just a while ago in 1 John 4, 9. In this was manifested the love of God toward us. That because, because that God sent his only begotten son into the world, that we might live through him. Not only does God value us so much, but as God's child, which if you're saved tonight, you are one of his children, as God's child, you are joint heirs with him. Turn with me to this verse really quick. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. We're almost done. Romans chapter 8. Look in verse 17. Romans 8, 17 says, And if children, then... Heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may also that we may be also glorified together. Man, read this whole chapter. I just I just get right to the verse here, right to the point. But if we are God's children, and if we are saved, we are tonight, that we are joint heirs with Christ. It is you know, I could brag on my parents a lot, and some of you kids, some of you parents can brag on your parents. No parent's perfect. Of course, we have stories about them that, you know, we try to improve on. And as much as I love my parents and would love to brag on them, I mean, I, I'm a child of, of God. It doesn't even make sense. Even saying it, it's almost hard to just fathom that God is a... Once you've put your faith and trust in Christ, he... He has adopted us into his family. He loves and he cares for you. He created you for a purpose. In Sunday school, we're learning about the evolutionary mindset, and I've talked about it with the teens so much. You know, evolution, the ideology is there is no purpose in life. You're, you're an accident. You're here on earth on accident, like uh, a big bang on accident exploded. These little amoebas floated around in primordial soup, and billions of years later, you're accidentally here. Like, whoops. And there's really no, when you die, you die, and that's it. And what is the purpose of life? That's a question people are always asking. But we as Christians, we know what the purpose of life is. The purpose of life is Jesus Christ, is God. He is the purpose of life. He's the existence. He is the creation of life, and he is the reason for living. And God wants you to live with him forever. Last verse. John 14. Look at John 14. 
God wants us to live with him forever. John 14, verse 1 and 2. John 14, 1. Let not your hearts be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. Let's all read verse 2 together. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. I go to prepare a place for you. We get to live next to God someday. I don't exactly know what this mansion means. If it's an actual mansion, if it's an add-on to his mansion, I don't care. I'm living next to him someday. Even if it's a rug in front of his archway, <laughs> we're in heaven. We get to live with him, and he wants that. So, the enemy wants to harm and destroy your life, but don't let them. Give God control of your life, and let him protect you from all harm. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word. Oh,